culture. We have awesome leaders. Um, we have an awesome crew of students. And I'm, man, I'm just so thankful for your love and support uh, through that. And uh, I haven't gotten to preach for you guys yet. Uh, but before I do, Pastor just asked me to share like a brief about me uh, since I haven't met everyone yet. I mean, you might not have been able to meet me yet. So first and foremost, I would love to introduce my wonderful wife, Nicole. She's right up here in front. Baby wave. That is Nicole. She's amazing. That's us when we got married. We actually just got married about five months ago. Uh, this coming Friday will be five months. Uh, loving it. It's awesome. She's my best friend. And uh, something kind of crazy about us is we actually met online. And uh, not in some weird sketchy way like on Tinder or something like that. We met on a dating app. And uh, it went really well. And honestly, if you're that in that stage of life and you need some help, I could help hook you up. I don't know. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we love, uh, we love getting coffee um, and we love Chick-fil-A. Does anyone else love Chick-fil-A? Let's go. And uh, I knew Nicole was going to be my wife. She didn't know yet. On the very first date, she agreed that we could go to Chick-fil-A. And I was like, Lord, this is it. Don't let me mess it up. And so that was awesome. We love Chick-fil-A. Um, she's a nurse just at Valley Medical Center up um, in Renton. She just graduated from SPU last year. And yeah, we're uh, newlyweds and we're just learning as we go. Love it. And uh, for me growing up, I grew up as a pastor's kid. Um, I grew up in a PK home. Um, so I was always in church, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Wednesday night, all the week-long prayer services, every conference you can imagine, I was there. Um, and I was sheltered to the degree, to the degree that uh, when I first met Nicole, maybe on the third date, she asked me if I was homeschooled. And so, <laughs> I mean, we can take that or leave it, whatever it is, it's good. And, uh, but uh, growing up in a pastor's home, I had the awesome opportunity. Uh, we just moved a lot, and I got to be able to live in a lot of cool places. Um, I lived in Oregon for a while. I went to high school in Tualatin, which is just south of Portland. I was born in Grants Pass. Um, we lived in Salem for a while, but I've also lived in Anacortes, um, Issaquah, Kirkland for a while here, obviously. And then uh, for a time, about three years, my parents pastored in uh, Whitefish, Montana, which was awesome. It's right by Glacier National Park. It's beautiful up there. And then currently, my uh, parents have been pastoring um, in North Dakota for the last uh, seven years, like Zach mentioned. And uh, if you look at the map, there's a place called Jamestown. It's like right smack dab in the middle. It's a small town. And... Uh, my first experience with North Dakota, everyone knows it's kind of flat and just farmland and it snows all the time, like half the year. But I rolled up to this rest stop and at this rest stop, like I'm not even kidding, there's literally just like a bison just chilling by the rest stop. So that was kind of weird. Welcome to North Dakota. And uh, so that was cool. Um, but like I said, I moved a lot growing up and one place in particular was special to me and that was where I went to high school, um, Tualatin, Oregon. And it's special because I moved so much. Uh, one year I was in three schools, but it was the only place growing up where I, I, sorry, it was the longest place I lived growing up. And uh, I got to be able to go to high school at the same school the whole time, uh, which was big for me. And um, in high school, I kind of transitioned out of being like a sports dude, you know, playing baseball, football, basketball, to uh, a music guy. And uh, I started playing drums in high school. My parents got me my first kit. So usually you see me back here hidden uh, because I'm loud and obnoxious. And that's cool. And um, so drumming and music started becoming a big part of my life. And I don't know if you guys remember when Pastor Weston preached. Where is he at? Last year he's not in here but he showed the you know like he was like this punk rock emo kid with his hair over his eye and all that like I was just like that we would have been best friends in high school probably would have been in the same band and uh, I just want to clarify though that he wore actual girl pants 
I did not. I waited till they made skinny pants for dudes. So, <laughs> Pastor Weston, everyone. <laughs> um, but yeah, this passion. <laughs> oh man, you never know what's uh, what's gonna happen, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, so my passion for music uh, led me. I went to Northwest University up in Kirkland. It's a Bible school. Um, pastor went there as well. Um, I actually didn't pursue ministry then. Um, I was pursuing music. I got a degree um, in music industry. So I got. I was working on music, but I'd also work in the studio, and, and I was learning the ins and out of the music business. And I got the opportunity to intern at a record label for a year with a lot of bands that I looked up to. So that was really a dream come true for me, and that was awesome. Um, and just through um, college, I continued to pursue drumming, uh, guitar, and worship leading. Um, I'm kind of just nerdy about the music industry, so if any of you guys want to talk about that sometime, that'd be awesome. And uh, this passion of mine, uh, I grew up, I just wanted to be the band kid. I wanted to be in a band. I wanted to tour. I wanted to play uh, festivals and venues and be on the road. Um, so in college, as I was pursuing music, of course, I had some bands. And uh, I had one band for fun. It was a metal band. And we would scream about Jesus and girls that had broken up with us. And it was a lot of fun. And then <laughs> I was also in uh, a pop rock band. And actually, our bass player is here today. His name is Joe. He played at camp once, so now we call him bass player Joe. Anyways, that's what happens with culture. And uh, we had this band and we were trying to make it into a job. We were trying to pursue a career in music. And um, there's this point in local music where if you can, where they say, if you can make it five years um, from there on out, you'll start making the money back. Um, it'll start being more of a business. It kind of started to turn into a part-time job, if you will. Uh, we had a label come look at us for one of our shows. Seems think the things seem great and like they're moving forward, uh, but obviously it didn't work out, right? Because we're here and that's good. Um, <laughs> and uh, when the band broke up, uh, I just kind of felt lost. My identity was definitely in being that band uh, kid and going on tour and trying to be that guy. Uh, so when I felt kind of lost in that season, it kind of drove me uh, to just uh, needing to kind of separate myself and re uh, reevaluate where my life was headed. So I ended up going to North Dakota to be with my parents for a while. And, I, and in that uh, season, I uh, started wor leading worship again, which was awesome. And I still remember it to this day perfectly. I was leading worship one morning, and God was definitely talking to me like, hey, you need to pursue ministry. This is what's next. And so after that, I started applying at different churches. Eventually, I found the NU job page. Like Zach said, I saw this little job opportunity from Zach Cash in Enumclaw, Washington. So uh, I applied for that. We had a conversation, came out, um, and we started this internship. And I do have to say, the internship originally was a worship pastor internship. And so I don't know if the internship actually worked because <laughs> I'm the youth pastor. But anyways, it was fun. Um, I just, yeah. <laughs> What's going to happen? I don't know. Uh, and I got licensed with the Assembly of God, which is awesome. And like I said before, uh, I've just been the youth pastor since May, and learning that role and growing into that has been awesome. Uh, we have an awesome team. We have awesome leaders. I love working with Brent. Uh, he's awesome. And, man, it's just been a journey, and I love it. And I love your students, and it's going great. And uh, just lastly, one quirky thing about me is every night, you know, when it's getting close to bedtime, I, I like clean shoes. So every single night, I clean my shoes. And my wife is so amazing that she bought me a professional shoe cleaning kit for Christmas. Let's go. And so now I wash both of our shoes before bed. And it's amazing. 
So, yeah, I also, I, I got to shout out my wife one more time. I, this is my first time preaching in big church, and <laughs> she's literally heard this message like eight times because, like, we posted up in the living room yesterday, and I practiced over and over and over with her, and she sat through that and graciously helped. And originally, this message was like almost an hour, so she's amazing. Anyways, <laughs> it, it won't be an hour, I promise. Um, let's just take a moment to pray before we uh, jump into God's word. God, we just thank you for um, these moments where we can come and worship you freely and openly, God. We just pray for this morning and this word, God, that it would touch our hearts and speak volumes to our lives, God. Uh, we just thank you for this opportunity, and God, we just pray that these are your words. In your name, amen. Uh, so today we're just talking about the battle uh, with ourselves, the battle within, and we have three enemies. Uh, one, the devil. Uh, he's kind of a mean guy, right? Uh, the world, they're kind of doing their own thing, and ourselves. And um, I'm sure you guys can agree, um, our greatest struggle is often within us, right? With who we are on the inside. Um, our mind is often a battlefield, and we are prone to self-sabotage. We do things like put ourselves down, give up too easy, we allow others to determine our worth, we entertain negative thoughts. We have unrealistic expectations, like Pastor talked about last week. We compare ourselves to others. We make constant excuses. We hold on to things too long. Uh, we are indecisive, and we do the same things over and over and over, expecting different results. Uh, it makes me think back to uh, 2018. Uh, this was on the news. Uh, but Banksy, the street artist, he, um, he had a painting that went up for auction. And with this specific painting, he didn't want it to go up for auction. So what he did is he actually put a shredder in the frame. And so what happened was it's a Banksy painting, so obviously it went up for auction. And it sold for a million dollars, which is cool and all. But as soon as it sold, this was on the news, uh, it started to shred itself. So he hit that trigger and it started to shred itself. And so now this painting was destroyed. And kind of like that, we have a tendency to self-sabotage. See, the cool, the funny thing about that was uh, the security guards there were protecting that painting from other people, but actually the real threat was from the inside, right? And we have a tendency like that to be our own worst enemy. Um, so battles we face on the inside are things like anxiety, depression, moodiness, suicidal thoughts, uh, overeating, numbing agents like shopping or endless social media scrolling, uh, addiction, distraction, you name it. Sometimes the mountains and strongholds we face are in our mind, in the way we think and how we process life around us. It seems as though we're always at odds with something in our mind. Uh, this hit home for me uh, after getting married five months ago. There was a period in time, about a month after, um, I just got to say, being married is the best. I love coming home after work and being with your best friend, uh, and it's awesome. But um, one thing I learned, quickly learned after being, wet, being married was, um, no one told me about this, but there's a thing called the post-wedding blues. And apparently it's actually a pretty common thing. I just did some simple Google research and found this out. But there was a month after being married where I started to feel numb, void, um, the closest to depressed I'd ever felt, uh, lost motivation, I felt empty. Because um, let's be honest, the real day-to-day -day life isn't as glamorous, if you will, as wedding season. Uh, you know, planning the party, getting to taste all the food. I remember tasting the desserts and the lady that made us the cupcakes, like I stole all of them and took them home and ate them all. They were so good. And I hid them from Nicole. I feel bad about that. <laughs> and uh, they were like amazing. Like I can still taste them. And uh, you know, the honeymoon planning, uh, the vows, the excitement for the first look. Uh, we had Chick-fil-A at our wedding. Let's go. That was awesome. Uh, 
uh, the photos, uh, celebrating with your people. So these feelings just didn't make sense to me because everything seemed to be going so right. I was madly in love with my wife, and being married was the best. It just seemed like everything else wasn't. Um, but there's always hope, right? Um, I just found myself in a rut, and I knew something needed to change. You see, when we align our thoughts, words, and actions with what Jesus say, Jesus says we will be able to overcome these internal battles. Today we'll be discussing our thought life. Uh, my first point is simply, you are what you think. Um, and we're going to be in Proverbs 23, 7. as a simple verse. And I love Proverbs because to me it seems like Yoda's reading the Bible to me. And uh, it's a simple sentence, but I think it's super powerful. And it says, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. And what that means is who we become, what we believe, all those things that start with the inside us, right? In our hearts and in our mind. You see, we can change the way we feel by changing the way we think. First Thessalonians says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When you feel defeated, maybe in your job, uh, your marriage, or your friendships, you can still raise a hallelujah and praise the one who can redeem it all. When you feel depressed or stuck in a pit or empty, you can still praise God, believing that he can use that to grow you and mature you and bring you closer to him. Romans 12, 2, uh, we use this one a lot, says, uh, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Renewing our mind or uh, changing our mind, if you will, is a common practice in our faith as we seek Jesus. Because uh, what you'll find is if you're constantly, constantly growing uh, with Jesus and closer to him, what you're going to find is he's constantly changing your mind and turning you back to what he has to say. Uh, and, a, and a simple example of this is uh, repenting, which just means to change your mind and turn the other way. Uh, next point is what you look for, we will find. Have you guys uh, just noticed that uh, negativity often just brings more negativity, right? Uh, I have, and that's simply just because what you feed will grow. And uh, my example for this is uh, The Bachelor. You can make fun of me for that. That's okay. Uh, I, since I've been married, I've noticed the content on the TV is different. It's a little less sci-fi, a, le <laughs> a little less comedy, and it's more Kardashian and a little bit more Bachelor-related, and it's all good. Uh, but what happens is, <laughs> these, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Uh, these girls are just like constantly fighting with each other, negative, 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 constantly, and it just creates this whole entire mess. It keeps feeding off and feeding off and feeding off each other. There's another thing uh, that I think helps illustrate this called uh, the frequency illusion. And uh, for instance, for, like when you buy a new car, um, you go and you do a research for the new one you want. Um, you, you know, you start dreaming about it. You start, uh, you go for the test drive and you start seeing yourself in that car. And then all of a sudden what you notice is maybe you didn't notice that car before, but maybe when you're driving to work or Chick-fil-A or the mall, uh, what you start noticing is that you start seeing that car everywhere you go, right? Now for me, uh, Brent loves Teslas. So when I met Brent, I started learning a lot about Teslas. So now I notice Teslas everywhere I go. And uh, Colossians 3.1 says this, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. If we seek things above, uh, the things in heaven, the things of Jesus, uh, I'd like to suggest today that we will eventually find them. 
We have to first decide to dwell on the things above, on the things that honor Christ. And man, I love what Jesus does. He does uh, this thing where uh, when you seek, you find. And uh, man, it's happened in my life, and I'm sure it's happened in yours. And Jesus just has this really awesome way of taking our gunk, our mess, uh, our chaos, our mistakes, and he somehow always turns that around and works out for his good. And specifically his good, which is often our good. And man, I just love that. It gets me all hyped up. Because uh, if we're being honest, I'm, I'm the worst sometimes. Can anyone agree with that? And the cool thing about that is God uses us despite ourselves. Um, I love the song, Sea of Victory by Elevation Worship. Uh, we sing it often here on Sundays in that culture. And uh, man, uh, I even listened to it like three times on the way here, just getting amped up uh, for this message. I love it. The first time I heard it, it made me cry. And it just says in the bridge so beautifully, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. And I just think that's so good. If we are looking and truly seeking hope, victory, peace, love, um, maybe just some answers or encouragement, um, I think that we will eventually find them. My next point is this. Uh, we will make fewer wrong decisions when we are thinking the right thoughts. Um, this hit home for me last summer. Um, I made a wrong decision because I made an assumption in my mind. Uh, does anyone else agree that driving is a sport? When you're driving home from work, like, you're going for it, right? Yeah, let's go. And uh, I often drive like that, and it's not good. And basically, this one time, uh, last summer, I was driving home, uh, and church was in the, in the morning, and it was late, so I knew I needed to hustle so I can get in bed. And uh, what happened is we came up to a stoplight, and what I perceived to have happened was the guy in front of me uh, brake-checked me. And when someone brake-checks you, what do you do? When you are a wise, <laughs> when you are a wise young man like myself, you flash your lights, right? That's the obvious response. So obviously a mistake. That's what I did. And to make it worse, I then uh, swerved around him and got in the turn lane and took the left turn. And what do you know happens next? I find that this guy is then tailing me really close and his brights are on and he uh, starts following me around town until I end up at the police station because I was terrified. And, <laughs> and like, like, yo, that was in Buckley. So if that was you, I am so sorry. And please don't murder me. <laughs> But uh, all that just to say, uh, none of that would have happened had I been thinking the right thoughts. Philippians 4.8 says this, So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 also simply says, Rejoice Always. See, if we are constantly thinking about things that are pure and holy and good and respectful and kind, uh, we're going to find that there's actually no more room left in our mind for those thoughts that will lead us astray. Um, how many opportunities have we missed just due to thinking the wrong thoughts? Um, I love this statistic. I just learned it a while back, and it says this, that 45% of our actions are habits. 45%. That's basically 50% of the time we're on autopilot during the day. Does that scare anyone like it scares me? Like, I know my, myself, there's not a lot going on up here. That can't, <laughs> that can't be good to be on autopilot half the day. And 
Uh, Anakin Skywalker says this line in uh, Star Wars Episode One uh, to R2, his co-pilot, and he just says this, get us off this autopilot, it's going to get us both killed. And uh, yeah, they're in a space fight, and that's funny and all, but in reality, he knew he needed take, to take back the controls in his life. Um, that leads us to my next point, which is our self-talk. Um, there's a lot that can be said um, about our words, and I'm sure that's a series in itself. But today, since we're talking about our inner battle, I just want to take some time to touch on how we talk to ourselves. Um, so you see, what we say determines what we see. And if Jesus is the Lord of our lives, he needs to be the Lord of our lips, too. As well, he needs to be the Lord of our self-talk. Our words impact other people, the future, ourselves. But most importantly, uh, this is important because, you know, we talk to ourselves more than anyone else. It's a cool thing we can do, and we can literally alter the way we feel through changing the way we speak to ourselves and others. Um, I love this next part. Uh, I've been working up explaining it to our youth, um, and it's preached to me, and I hope that it, uh, it stirs something up in you this morning as well also. And uh, man, I've just been moving forward with this, and it's just simply this. We have gotten so good at listening to ourselves that we have forgotten how to speak to ourselves. I'm going to say that again because it's so good. We have gotten so good at listening to ourselves that we have forgotten how to speak to ourselves. Are you your own coach, or are you your own critic. And um, I'm sure we've all had uh, coaches growing up or mentors or parents that have spoken something into us that brought something out of us that we didn't know before. And uh, man, I've had some great coaches over the years. Uh, Pastor Greg coaches us weekly. Zach has coached me with ministry. Allison has literally coached me this week preparing this message. And uh, if I'm being honest, I've been trying to coach myself all week getting ready for this sermon. Uh, I've never preached in big big service before. And so I uh, I, was, I thought I was going to be super nervous, but we're all family, right? And it's all good. And uh, I've been practicing keeping my thoughts captive, not letting negative thoughts sneak in. And I mean, I feel confident well and at peace. And so I'm just saying, I know it works. And um, an example of a coach for me that really made a big part, that uh, played a big part in my life still is uh, my dad. And I love my dad. Uh, like I said earlier, there in North Dakota, but my dad still reps the Seahawks. Let's go. Uh, shout out to the Chiefs for beating the 49ers last week. That was awesome. Yeah. Yay. And, uh, man, they, my thing with my dad is um, I buy him for his birthday every year Seahawks merch because they don't have it in North Dakota, obviously. So every year I send him Seahawks stuff. And then also my dad loves to barbecue steak. And I love steak. And we bond over steak and the Seahawks the way it should be. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, growing up, my dad did this crazy thing, and I hated it as a kid, but I love it now. And um, if, if, it was, if I put myself um, in a bad place in life or I was uh, holding myself back or keep messing uh, things up, uh, my dad did this thing. And like, uh, like I said earlier, he's a pastor, so I don't know why my dad this, did this, but it was this thing. But he would always be like, hey, uh, Josh, uh, I want to I wanna have a conversation with you, so let's schedule a meeting even though I'm your son, <laughs> and let's go, uh, come to my office and we'll just chat, you know, at 1 p.m. on Thursday or whatever. And I was like, yo, why can't we just go to McDonald's or something? But that was this thing, and that's cool. Uh, and I was always like, great. There's like 30 things that I'm hiding from him. What thing does he know about? How bad am I going to be in trouble? And <laughs> it gets better. And then I would obviously, I would go meet my dad, and like the first thing he would say would be something along the lines of this, and he would just be like, 
Josh, the Holy Spirit's been talking to me. And I just know, I'm like, God, you're out to get me. Like, you're telling my dad all the stuff I'm doing. Why are you out to get me, man? Uh, and, <laughs> and, you know, that's the cue. Like, I just hand over my car keys. I know I'm grounded. You get it. Uh, I know I'm in trouble. Uh, but from there, he would say something like this. Josh, I've been seeing this in your life a lot lately, and that's not who you are. I know you're actually this, and whatever that was, he said, be this. And what's, uh, you know, let's pray through that and support each other through that. And uh, I'm a crier, so then, you know, I cry, and that's cool. Uh, Zach's a crier too, and he's stronger than me, so that makes me feel good. And, <laughs> and then, of course, I'm like, I have to leave the office crying, or, you know, they can tell crying, and all the staff sees, and that's embarrassing, but it's all good. And, uh, but anyways, he always knew what I needed to hear before I did. And still to this day, he's had a way of coaching me, not necessarily criticizing me. Uh, he would bring the truth of who I am out into the open. He would speak life into me. He would call me up, not just out, to who I really am. We have to practice this in our hearts and in our mind. We should ask, what does Jesus have to say about this thought I'm having? Because uh, the cool thing is the Bible actually often doesn't tell us what to feel, but actually how to act. And uh, in 2 Corinthians, it says, uh, keep every thought under control in order to make it obey Christ. Uh, keeping every thought uh, under, under control or keeping it captive um, is a practice, right? But actually more than that, it is a practice and a habit we should develop. But it's actually uh, in a lifestyle. So when Jesus was uh, on earth, he didn't only show us just good things to do, but he also showed us a way to lead our lives. And uh, when these thoughts come, we should be asking ourselves, is this, is this thought truth according to God? If it's not truth, you have to turn that thought over to God. That's what it means to take that thought captive. And then uh, going back to Philippians 4, just focus on what is true, honorable, just, and pure. Because often, if we're being real, uh, the things we feel are actually not who we are. We should be questioning our thoughts and feelings and making sure they align with what Jesus says. Feelings don't always mean truth or that things are right. So often uh, we might feel unworthy, but we have a heavenly father that says worthy, right? Or uh, we may think ugly in the mirror, but God says beautiful. Or we may feel worthless, but God said he's going to use us for a purpose. Or uh, when we feel broken, he says whole. Our daily activity and our daily thoughts should come from our new identity in Christ. Remember, we died right when we accepted him. We have to learn to speak to ourselves, not just listen to ourselves. I'm going to invite Weston up to play um, some guitar and keys. But um, now I get it. Some of you guys might be thinking, uh, man, what I'm saying is just mind over matter will solve all your problems. And that's not necessarily what I'm saying. But what I am saying is what happens in our thoughts does really matter. And positive thinking shouldn't become uh, the God we worship. It's not like people obsessed with essential oils and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, man. It, <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> there we go. Uh, it doesn't, uh, these things, this positivity doesn't replace God. Uh, it doesn't, uh, you know, it's not a religion or something like that. But positivity is a response to Jesus and what he's done. What he's done for us brings joy, strength, courage, hope, all positive things, right? Another, oh man, I love this. Another thing God has given us as a tool to defeat uh, that's a battle in our mind. Uh, it's just a practical way to win, and it's called gratitude. And man, I've been learning about gratitude. I love it. Um, I just learned this past month that gratitude um, actually boosts dopamine and increases serotonin um, in your brain. So literally, uh, literally just showing some gratitude, uh, acting in gratitude can help 
fight our depression. It's literally an antidepressant. Being thankful, taking time to dwell on what you're thankful for can help fight our depression. The study also shows that writing down five things that you are thankful for can increase your happiness by 25%. Just taking that time to sit back and reflect on what Jesus has done for you can literally change our week, our lunch break, um, our year, our month, um, our time with the kids when they're being crazy. Um, And the cool thing... Let's go. And the cool thing about this is, you know, scientists have been saying this in the last 20 years or so, but, you know, Jesus has been saying this since the beginning of time, right? Uh, remember back in First Thessalonians where he said, give thanks in all circumstances. I challenge us to try this this week. So this week, let's take some time to consider who we are and who God is calling us to be. Then let's think about how we can change our mindset to make those changes happen. Let's be a coach, not a critic. Let's speak to ourselves, not just listen to ourselves. Let's practice gratitude. Because for as we think in our hearts, so we are. Let's pray. God, uh, man, just thank you so much for this time we spent um, learning more about you, God. We just pray that we can take this into our week and see a radical change for you in our minds and the people around us. Um, We love you. We thank you so much for today. Um, Amen. And uh, yeah, you guys can go ahead and stand. Uh, I know Pastor Greg has this cool uh, benediction that he has memorized. And we're all just like, how does he memorize that every week? It's amazing. So I'm going to attempt my own. It's going to be a little different. That's okay. But in the wise words of Marshawn Lynch, start taking care of y'all mentals, y'all bodies, and y'all chicken. All right. Have a good day, guys. Hope to see you next week.